Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. My name is Alexander Holland, and as always, I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod pizza. It's got to be the one called... John Maloney. And John... Now every time I go for the mailbox, gotta hold myself down. Cause I just can't wait till you write me that you're coming round. <laughs> All right now, now I'm walking on episode 79. <laughs> Whoa, and don't you feel good? Uh, and that, that's good. That's going to be... Katrina in the Waves with Walking on Sunshine. Thanks for sending that in. 1985. Very nice of them to rework that song for this episode. Uh, so many fans out there of the cast mm. that write that write in and say, please, 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 mm. can, you, can we rewrite a classic yeah. to include the episode number? Yeah. And send it on in. You should see... I've 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 rejected Bob Dylan. <laughs> I've rejected Rolling Stones. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like what they submitted. Yeah, I yeah. didn't like what they submitted. I thought it was subpar. <laughs> they weren't choosing their classics. They mm. were like, give it. They were giving me songs that I just wasn't that into. Yeah, but Bob was giving you some bullshit new thing that he did. <laughs> He gave. He picked something from his Christian period that I absolutely <laughs> was not into. <laughs> um, I, I had a bit of a look at the music video for Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. I didn't really realize they were a UK band. I thought they were oh, American. No, nor did I. The music video is shot in London, mm-hmm. and obviously, it was shot not in summer or it could have been summer you know with london weather but mm. it is the grayest crappiest day that you've ever seen <laughs> the record company obviously didn't want to shell out yeah. to get them to the mediterranean or, or possibly to a different hemisphere where it might have been sunnier i would encourage everyone to have a look at the music video it looks like the poxiest london day wow. you've ever seen and somebody in the comments has quite funnily written, I can confirm this is what a sunny day looks like in London. <laughs> that almost feels like they've done it ironically, given that sunshine is so prominent in the lyrics. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I, I don't know. It's it, She's wearing a kind of sunny dress, mm. but it, it, and it's London in 85. It's pox. Mm. It's got a deep pox to it. Yeah. The other thing I always think about that song is, it's one of those songs that has just been used in films and commercials yeah. uh, and TV shows for 30 years. It Apparently, I looked it up, apparently it generates up to 920,000 euros a year. Wow, money far out. In synchronization fees. Is that um, some sort of royalty? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, that's, that's what you're going to pay mm-hmm. to get that in your... Uh, in your movie or whatever, so hmm. yeah, it's just one of those massive. Uh, always, and I always also think of um when I think of massive songs getting synced, synchronized. That's the industry term. Yeah, uh, in films and stuff, I also think about Hall and Oates. You make my dreams come true. Yeah, which is, what I want, you got, and it might be hard to handle. Such a punchy start. You're making my dreams come true. And that's uh, that's used, for example, in the wedding dress choosing montage scene mm-hmm. from Wedding Singer. 
That's what I want to say about episode 79 as some of the most licensed music out there. Mm. John, where are you going to be right now? I'm going to be in the... (laughs) (laughs) It's just another, I just want to warn anyone who's learning English Mm. not to learn it from this podcast because all the... I play with I play with the tenses. Yeah, I think a lot. I think you're a sort of <laughs> cautionary tale for the dangers of being bilingual because you've learnt German and then your English tenses now are all fucked. <laughs> 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 you've somehow become bad at worse at English because the, <laughs> the mental real estate's being taken up by German. But um, <laughs> I'm in the lovely, lovely city of Edinburgh. Um, wow, that is a beautiful city. Yeah, it really is. I was here last about 12 years ago for a conference and only briefly and uh, had very much the same experience of getting off the train. It's a really cool, it's quite a cool journey from London. It's about four and a half hours, but you kind of go up through, I guess, the Midlands and up into the north of England and then the landscape kind of changes and becomes, you kind of go along this really stark Scottish beaches and then fly into, fly into Edinburgh and you get off the train and there's just, like I can't really believe how picturesque the city is. It's so dramatic. Mm. It's kind of very um, steep slopes and this kind of castle on the hill and... Massive um, stone walls. Yeah, huge stone walls and everything's these kind of uh, Georgian sort of ten- tenement houses and yeah, I love it. Um, and, and I want to give a big shout out to Becky and Henry, my dear, dear friends who got married on Saturday and that was the, oh, very um, cool. that was the reason for my visit and they are, Becky was telling me that Henry likes to listen to Don't Praise the Machine in the Bath, which I love. Yeah, And so she will just hear, she listens to it too, which I'm very grateful for, but she will often just hear the dulcet sounds of our voices echoing out through the bathroom door. Uh, <laughs> through, through the moist Scotland air. Yeah, exactly, which I love. Um, so, yeah, that's nice. What's funny is that, before, so I spent my 30th in Edinburgh, that's how I celebrate, because the Edinburgh fringes on is in August, mm-hmm. as is my birthday. Mm-hmm. And what was quite interesting to me is that I always think about the fact that before you visit a place, you, you've you had to picture it in your mind's eye yeah. for potentially, you know, years. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I always think about the fact that as soon as you know about a place, like let's say I watch, you know, I would have been watching movies when I was a very young child, which was set in New York. Yeah. And in order to kind of engage with the film on a subconscious level, you're kind of building this mental picture yeah. and it's almost like a spatial sense of what that place would feel is like, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. think. Yeah. And then of course when you get there it's completely different and you always know that it's going to be completely different. Mm. Um, but for, <laughs> for me I didn't realise until I got there that because Edinburgh hosts the most famous Fringe Festival in the world, if anyone who doesn't know the Fringe Festival is like a... Uh, an arts festival mm. uh, that I think it's, I think the thing that that that's unique about fringe festivals is basically anyone can put on a show so long as you have a venue. Yeah, so there's lots of crazy off the wall stuff at these fringe festivals. Anyway, Edinburgh hosts the biggest fringe festival in the world, but the second biggest fringe festival in the world is, of course, in Adelaide. Mm. So 
un, unbeknownst to me, I had just kind of pictured like Adelaide, but with people with Scottish accents. <laughs> so I had this kind of image of this really like flat yeah. and kind of grid-like city yeah, with yeah, yeah. the same kind of level of, you know, like one-story bungalow houses. Yeah. And so I was just picturing that it was going to be like that, except colder <laughs> and everybody's Scottish. <laughs> and of course, it was like this incredible medieval looking city yeah, when yeah, I yeah. got there. I was really blown away. Yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, I always think it's interesting when you, as you say, you, you carry that around and then your brain just goes, yeah, okay, I don't need that anymore. It just overwrites the pre- and it's, and preconceived it, yeah. vision with the actual vision. And then it becomes difficult to remember what the preconceived vision was. Yeah. I, find that, I, find that you, I find that you can sometimes get to the preconceived vision if you watch the old films mm. that you watched mm. uh, that actually initially gave you yeah. that image. But it's funny, like Ninja Turtles, I didn't realize that a lot of the Ninja Turtles movie scenes are shot neck or some of them are shot next to Central Park. Uh-huh. And then it's interesting watching the film again and going, oh, I, I kind of thought that Central Park, like in my spatial memory, yeah. it was here, but it's actually here. It was in completely the other part of the city. Of yeah, right, yeah. I thought it was down and it's up. I kind of thought, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's kind of more up Manhattan, and I thought I thought that it was at the kind of southern end of Manhattan. Yeah, it's more right. The north, more as you head north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, there's this, uh, there's all this stuff about how because New York in particular is so constantly depicted in film and television, they uh, there's a very kind of distinct picture of it that's built up over time which is actually kind of you know at various points in its history more or less like the actual New York so there's very few alleyways in New York that have that kind of classic New York alleyway look there's one in particular that just gets thrashed on ah. and they they use it over and over again because you've got like it's very kind of narrow and it's got like the big bin and the fire escape and all that stuff so it's right. good for like you know turning like if you're being chased by someone, you turn from a main street down this alleyway and run down it. And then, you know, you're at the kind of chain link fence at the end. But it's like there's only one, there's a, there's only like one in, in New York that fits that description. So they just go there for every time they need a scene like that. Um, so the, the image that we have of New York being kind of riddled with alleyways like that is not accurate. And also funnily enough, uh, I was in Glasgow yesterday uh, visiting my friends Shimon and Jansen. That shout out to them, and uh, they were taking me around the city, which has this kind of New Yorky look to it. Maybe just because of the period in which it was built, and there's these kind of things that are that, you know houses that resemble brownstones and stuff, and big buildings in the city that are, have a kind of Gotham look to them. And as a result, it's. Uh, been used in a number of films to depict New York, including the oh. the latest Batman film that they've been doing. Well, maybe they, maybe that, maybe it's the one that's just come out. But Shimon was telling me he was, um, yeah, he was in the office in Glasgow, and then he looked out and just saw the Batmobile driving along the road. It's <laughs> pretty weird. But um, well, like, yeah, it could have been Batgirl because Batgirl was. Oh. I wasn't sure if it was Edinburgh or Glasgow, well, but I'm guessing go. it was Glasgow based on what you've just said. Wow! So there's a little bit yeah. of a callback to Once a again. very special DPTM <laughs> theme and point of interest. Yeah, and don't worry, guys, we're gonna stay on top of it. Yeah, Batgirl. 
Cole has been doing his level best to get us the original print. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's very <laughs> it's under tight control at the present time. So, John, I'm always looking for little moments mm-hmm. in life mm-hmm. that make me just connect with Mother Nature and really feel like I'm part of a beautiful universe. And this happened to me magically the other day. I've, as you've, as you've pointed out, because you can see me on the Zoom video, mm. I have a bunch of plants yeah. in my home. And behind me, I have a hanging plant, and there's a few off to the side that you can't. Mm. See, mm-hmm. the other day I was working at my computer and I live alone, started hearing noises. Mm. And I was just like, what's, what's going on? I, I kept looking around thinking maybe there was an insect or mm-hmm. it's kind of a creaking, crackling kind of noise, a kind of squeak. Right, right. And wow, fascinating. I, didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on. And suddenly, and then I actually got off. My chair. Yeah. I turned around to my biggest plant. Yeah. Uh, which I call Graham. That's its name. <laughs> right. Graham the fern. Yeah. And I crawled up to it and I put my ear right up to the leaves. And I was like, surely that's not you, Graham. You're a plant. You don't make sounds. <laughs> I said out loud <laughs> to Graham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then sure enough, yeah. a second later, I hear a, real loud squeak coming out of Graham. Mm. And one of the fern leaves was kind of unfolding before my very eyes. And it was cricking and cracking and squeaking Mm. because I I don't know how familiar you are with ferns, but Mm. the way that... Could always be more familiar. (laughs) The way... Like the, the way that the leaves grow is they kind of come out as like a really a really narrow pointy, almost like a big needle. Uh-huh. They come out and then slowly the tight needle kind of releases mm. and unfurls into a leaf that then grows. Hmm. And that tight needle was gently releasing mm. with a pleasant squeak of life. Wow. I said, Graham, I cannot believe you are already beautiful enough. <laughs> You're already filling my life with oxygen and love. Mm. And now... You are speaking to me, and a tear ran down my cheek. <laughs> you were witnessing it. I had a new friend. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I felt like that was the one thing that was missing from Graham is that he couldn't talk. Yeah. And now I realize that he can. Just very sporadically. Now I've, yeah, now I've taken time to try and learn from Graham and interpret his mm. leaf squeaks. Mm. And he's a very interesting man. Turns out he's in a lot of pain emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought that was amazing because, I, you know, you don't expect plants to make noises. No, that is amazing. Yeah, I often think with plants that if you could, that the reason we don't conceptualize them as being alive in the same sense as uh, other, you know, as kind of organisms with nervous systems is that, they operate on a very different time scale, but you get these moments where you see them moving and behaving in a way that f- looks very alive and very reactive yeah. to the environment. And then you think, yeah, it's a 
Graham is a real person, just like Graham me. is a real person. Mm. Yeah, I've been telling everybody that because the first thing I say <laughs> when people come into the house, I say Graham is a real person. So I'll ask. He doesn't like. He doesn't like really loud. Mm. If you could just keep it down, guys. Graham is sleeping. Yeah, say things like that. Graham is sleeping. No, please don't say anything disparaging about ferns because <laughs> Graham will hear it. I would love to get like a thousand ferns mm. in my, and then just have this symphony of squeaks. Whoa. So I'd, then I'd never be alone. <laughs> you could time it so that each day there was there was another one unfurling. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to sleep for the fucking <laughs> fern squeak symphony. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> People would, I would have like earplugs because Stop he's Stop unfurling! Screaming at me through, through the night. Oh, I've been um, traveling, as you know, mm-hmm. and so that's given me plenty of grist for the DPTM mill. But one thing that preceded my travel that's been on my mind since and that I'm hoping to, because I know you in Berlin have a number of friends who are uh, from the wonderful nation of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And my friend Rob, shout out to Rob, was recently uh, traveling in that part of the world with Jess uh, his partner, and um, they were in kind of rural Ireland and then at a certain point that their trip, they came into Dublin and they were a bit confused by the level, the, the expense of the accommodation in the city, the, yeah. the scarcity of the accommodation in the city because they, they didn't really know, they hadn't heard that there was anything big on, but it, they had the sense that there must be because... You know, a lot of stuff was booked out. A lot of restaurants were booked out. There was a bit of a throng in the city. And it turned out that the reason that it was so busy was because Garth Brooks was in town. And, <laughs> what? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that for some reason the Irish people are great what? lovers of the music of Garth Brooks. Now, it... it to me, that was quite perplexing that in 2022, Garth Brooks is doing like sellout concerts in Dublin of all places. Yeah. Uh, because I had sort of stopped thinking about him a fair while ago. Yeah. For any, maybe for any of our listeners who are unfamiliar, Garth Brooks was essentially a, a what, what, I mean, was, he obviously is. Yeah. I thought he, w- I thought Garth was kind of was territory now. But yeah. 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 Not. He's no. a country music star that essentially crossed over in the 90s, I mm. guess, and became like a, total phenomenon and was everywhere. Yeah. So kind of at the end of, I think he kicked off his career in the late 80s and then uh, roundabout was probably more of a kind of local country music star in the US and then had a few crossover hits in the late 90s and went on to the, the kind of turn of the 21st century was quite big. So yeah, that in itself was interesting and I'm, I'm keen to confirm whether or not that's kind of a general you know whether or not that's something that's come up more recently and is genuinely generally acknowledged by Irish people that they're big garth heads uh, which would be kind of <laughs> which would be great but I was doing a bit of digging on Garth Brooks because partly because I was like I haven't thought about Garth in a while and I was talking to somebody else about this and they put me on to 
this tale. Shout out to M. Garth had this had this wonderful turn, kind of at the height of his career, his mainstream success career in the late nineties. So in nineteen ninety nine, he did this thing, uh, which was a one off uh, exploration of this alter ego named Chris Gaines, okay. and uh, I've not heard this. And if you look up, if I'd encourage people, listeners to Google Chris Gaines, and what you'll get is just to describe it. So Garth is a kind of pretty countrified looking guy. He's like, mm. you know, he's got a sort of, um, the, he's got that kind of heavy set American face. <laughs> he's got a bit of a sort of close cropped goatee and he's often wearing like big bucket cowboy hats. Whereas Chris Gaines has this sort of slightly gothy, um, very brooding look and he's got his kind of hair pushed up, his hair brushed forward over his eyes and he's quite gaunt looking and he's got a little soul patch. Um, and so they're very different looking people. And I think initially there was some confusion as to whether Garth and Chris Gaines were the same person. Yeah. That wasn't immediate. I'm looking at this now. Yeah. This looks nothing like him. No, it like, doesn't. This is incredible. Yeah, it looks... Looks very, looks sort of much more modern, and yeah. and kind of very differently styled, and you know, very, very, as I say, very kind of brooding and emo, which is which is fascinating. So, what happened was, it, in 1999, Brooks and his uh, production company, Red Strokes Entertainment, together with Paramount Pictures, began to develop this film called The Lamb in which they were hoping Brooks would star and it was going to re- revolve around this fictitious Australian uh, rock singer called Chris Gaines. And he was a kind of emotionally complex soul who I think had been in a kind of fiery car accident and he had this kind of very complicated backstory and his career was kind of on a downturn and the movie was like centering on different parts of his life. And in advance of the expected release date for the movie, so about a year ahead of time, in an attempt to do a bit of kind of viral marketing for this concept, Garth released an album called Garth Garth Brooks in The Life of Chris Gaines. And it was intended as a sort of soundtrack to the film, but something that would predate the film. Uh, But ultimately the film was, (laughs) was shelved. So instead of this kind of pairing of a soundtrack and a film, what you've got is just this kind of stranded oddity album where he's, <laughs> for, for reasons that are now unexplained, you know, has occupied this persona just for one album only. And it still did pretty well. I think it still got, you know, charted pretty well and sold a couple of million copies. But for Garth Brooks, it sold significantly less than his albums before and after that because obviously his traditional fan base was like, we don't understand what you're offering us here, God. <laughs> and uh, there was a critic at the time who speculated that uh, he, he said this, when Brooks's new persona and his album were revealed to the public, they were unforgiving. They didn't think he was playing a role. They simply thought he'd lost his mind. <laughs> and, and, uh, and yeah, I, I love the fact that he was Australian and he had they this. Made, yeah, it says, it says here, origin Brisbane, Australia, fictitiously. <laughs> yeah, and there was some speculation that it was um, based on Keith Urban, who was kind of knocking around uh-huh. even back then, 
wife of uh, husband yeah, and- husband of Nicole Kidman, but they they suggested that actually it was based on. Hang on a sec. Yeah, that that well, that the people who were behind it, the writers who were behind it, denied that it was based on Keith Urban, but maybe they did so for legal reasons because it does seem like he's got he's got quite a similar look to Keith, and he's Australian. But um, yeah, so so I just want to say to Garth, <laughs> I salute your creative uh, authenticity and your courage experimenting with a new persona um and sporadically i think now there's like you know there's obviously kind of interest in it as a sort of historical oddity and there are people who who try and ask garth like will you ever re reinvigorate the chris gaines persona but he kind of i don't think particularly likes to talk about it now because it was essentially like a a failed gambit to try and get this this character going. <laughs> Here we go. Ten things to know about Chris Gaines. So yeah, according to the uh, songwriter Gordon Kennedy, who wrote a number of Chris Gaines songs, his ba- his brooding look is based on the Goo Goo Dolls frontman Johnny Resnick. Oh yeah. Rather than uh, rather than on Chris Keith Urban, but but Brooks and Urban were apparently familiar with each other, so it's possible that that Garth Brooks sort of took a bit of creative license and was influenced himself by the Keith connection and he had a he's had his own custom Fender guitar Chris Gaines ah. um, and also interestingly the Chris Gaines album although it's um kind of lost in the mist of it, it's it's a bit of an oddity in the oeuvre of Garth Brooks uh it's Trisha Yearwood's favorite Garth Brooks album <laughs> apparently she said and also it has been Covered by Childish Gambino, uh, so, right? So in Lost in You in two thousand nineteen, the Irish boy band Westlife previously covered a uh, Chris Gaines song, but uh, then subsequently the Eagles men- member Don Henley covered it, yeah, covered a Chris Gaines song in his album Cast Country, uh, but then subsequently Chris Gaines has been covered by Childish Gambino, so it has despite being this kind of fish-out-of-water album, had some influence on music generally and gives us a sense, I think, of the fact that although Garth has kind of doubled down on the country thing, he is just a talented musician who could potentially have succeeded in a different genre, Yeah, which is kind of a weird thing. So give us a shout-out if you remember Chris Gaines, if you've maybe got... You're at home and you're looking at your Chris Gaines poster on your wall... (laughs) Or you just happen to, to switch over from your Chris Gaines listening party and put on DPTM, <laughs> let us know. As we as we continue on the DPTM journey, John, we're seventy nine episodes in, starting mm. to develop 
points of interest and themes yeah. that the show revolves around and likes to focus on. Mm. And I think one of them is language and the way that language is evolving through mm-hmm. the internet and things like that. We love youth speak. We mm. love trying to incorporate that Gen Z talk into our vocabularies so that we can stay young forever and we can stay current <laughs> just by dropping in as much Gen Z chat yeah. as possible. And another thing has caught my attention in the last couple of months, I would say. And that I, I first discovered in an interview with Australian hip hop pop rap sensation the Kid Leroy, mm. uh, another one of Adelaide's favourite sons, mm-hmm. spent a year at a boarding school in South Australia, the Kid Leroy. Mm. And he was in an interview and I noticed he was doing this thing where he'd be telling a story mm-hmm. uh, and he would skip over the irrelevant parts, the irrelevant details right. of the story by using the phrase or the expression da 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 and I was like, that's unusual. It's kind of similar to like blah, 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 mm, yada, 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 yeah. exactly. Mm. Uh, so yeah, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. They're expressions, meaning that you're skipping over the irrelevant details that no one cares about mm. or needs to know. So you'd say, oh, we went, we went out for a few drinks and da, 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 we were really drunk and you know so you just yeah skipping yeah, yeah, over yeah, yeah. details yeah and then i noticed it was getting used a bit more in kind of hip-hop interviews and things like this right and then i'm listening to last night i was listening to adam buxton podcast and adam buxton was interviewing tv presenter graham norton right graham norton used it huh and da, 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 i just da, da. thought Da, 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 da. Mm. So I just I'm just putting it out there because I like to be a bit of a smart ass and yeah. I like to show off and I like to be the one <laughs> that is the first to say to everybody out there, mm. once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Yeah. And I want everybody to start da 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 daing. Da, 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 da. If you want to be hip and fresh, like that's obviously what Graham Norton's trying to do. Yeah. Um uh then da 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 da. This is the. I actually find it kind of irritating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because I guess I would. I guess even before it became trendy, if somebody said it, I would sort of. You guess, know what it is. Guess yeah. what it meant. It has the cadence of of like a blah blah blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. And then and then This is going to be one of the many occasions on which I hadn't noticed something, and now it's going to annoy the shit out of me because you pointed it out. This is what I want. If anybody out there. When anybody, if these things pop up on your radar out there, DPTMers, mm. we want you to write us in and say, I've been hearing a lot of da 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 yeah. around, around the place and I want to send you examples and then yeah. we can post them on our Instagram page. It's almost like Morse code. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I don't really use it because my stories are invariably ver- very verbose and I include... <laughs> Include. I include every detail, and then Sandra came in and sat down, and then we continued eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you you say this? Oh my god, this terrible thing happened at the supermarket that scarred me for life. So yeah, 
I pull up to the supermarket in the, my car and I'm looking for a park. Mm. It takes me a couple of rounds to find the car park. <laughs> I eventually find the one that I want. Yeah. It's slightly difficult to get into and so I have to do a couple of point turns mm. to get in. I open the door to the driver's side <laughs> because that is the side that I was sitting in <laughs> and I get out of the car, place my foot onto the asphalt yeah. because I'm ready to exit the car. And then the listener... The listener at this point goes, da 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 and I go, no, no, no. No, no, there'll be no da 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 <laughs> And then I push, I push down into my feet and I, <laughs> and, I, and I am standing and I think I must close the door because I need to lock the car so that burglars cannot get in. I close the door and lock it and begin to think about my journey towards the door of the mall, where the <laughs> supermarket is. So, John, we spoke a few episodes ago. You spoke a few episodes ago about the most, I think this is right, is it the most? Surely it's not more downloaded than TikTok. Is it the most downloaded social media app? I think maybe I think it, it was. I think it for, was for a time, yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Be Real, Be Real, which for anybody who missed that episode, it's the latest social media sensation, mm. which is saying we're bringing authenticity back to this Instagrammed, airbrushed, filtered world, mm. you simply take a photograph of yourself mm -hmm. and your friend takes a photograph of their self or their environment at a certain time mm. of the day mm -hmm. and you're meant to just do it impromptu and it's meant to be more real. Yeah. And you've been using it. Yeah. Some of your friends have been using it and you've written a report that you want to present <laughs> back to us now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I feel like I feel a bit unprepared. Um, I feel like I'm in one of those dreams. And you want, <laughs> and you want to do it on a podium in the nude. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I've been using it. I've actually missed out the last couple of days because I've just been running around like a blue-ass fly, as they say. But um, I've been using it fairly consistently until that point. So for a few weeks now, and I got to say, I think in my initial characterization, I was, you know, characteristically cynical. I was focusing on <laughs> some of the drawbacks of be real. I, I made, I speculated that actually it wasn't as real as the makers were maybe aspiring mm. to be, and that people would still curate themselves and stuff. But I don't know. After a couple of weeks of use. I quite enjoy it and I kind of get why it's a thing and I get, I, I think I get the sort of mission and I think it's in some ways quite successful because there's a couple of different aspects to it. One is, you know, you, you get this prompt at a certain point during the day, which differs depending on the day and uh, you get two minutes to take a photo and it's a front and back lens photo so that's not very long and you kind of, as a result, you sort of tend to get this this unfiltered insight into whatever people are doing at that time. And 
my brother Dan or Dargle, I'm sorry. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Dargle. Uh, His DPTM alter. Yeah, that's right. Dargle. Dargle. He said to me that he finds it quite comforting because um, you know it's kind of a good antidote to FOMO if you're doing something that. You're, mm. you're at work and you're kind of having a pretty ho-hum average time. Uh, not a terrible day, but just not a great day either. And you take a photo of yourself, then you can kind of look through your friends' photos. And generally what you will find is that a lot of them are doing pretty average stuff as well. And it's kind of gives you this sense of, oh, yeah, well, you know, my mind might trick me into thinking that other people are constantly doing these glamorous and desirable things. But actually most of our lives are made up of kind of stuff that's not totally remarkable and be real gives you this insight into that which is which can be quite reassuring and i found the same thing but i also found it's a, it's a level of connection with other people which feels mm. much more does feel much more real it reminds me of being it when we were you and i discovered chat roulette and i think mm. you were uh, just as a side note i think what was happening was we were sitting in a car car out the front this. of your share house at the time kind of pinching your neighbor's wi-fi to get on to get on chat roulette <laughs> and uh and then um you know you kind of get this thing where you get this very felt very immediate very unfiltered insight into people's lives and it kind of makes you feel like wow we're part of this like big wide world where all sorts of all manner of things is happening to everyone all the time and uh, be real kind of is a bit the same because apart from looking at your friends' accounts, you can use this function where you just scroll through random public be real accounts, which is yeah. a genuinely weird experience because you get like, you know, you'll get sort of, it'll be nighttime and somebody will be in their truck in some, right. you know, somewhere in South America and they'll just like have a picture of them looking blankly out the window of their truck and then there's maybe a billboard and a couple of passers by and then you'll get you know somebody else who's like a uh, schoolboy in France and they're like taking a photo of their friends <laughs> laughing and like some doodle that they've drawn on their notepad mm. and you think wow there's just like there's just this is just like a moment where all these people who I have nothing to do with are kind of doing all sorts of random things and you get this kind of insight into them and for my part, I found it quite, I think it also gives you a bit of, it's a bit like journaling because it gives you this kind of visual journal of your day. Yeah. And at one point it offered me the chance to look back over the previous week and the B-reels that I had posted. And I was like working quite hard that week. And I was like, man, I've got to stop this because it was just seven, it was just like five to seven days of me uh, sort of staring blankly at my computer in my study and I was like <laughs> got this kind of wake up call that that was something I was doing too consistently because you know it was a kind of different time each day and yet that was always what it caught me doing so then mm. I, for, I spent for a while I was uh, I had the kind of opposite insight the following week where I had several B-reels taken from the bath and I was like maybe I'm having but maybe I've overcorrected slightly and just spent half this week bathing. But um, but I, and I quite like to just uh, when I get the prompt. Sometimes, if I'm feeling a bit kind of nihilistic, I'll just walk up to the nearest wall and take a photo. It's like an extreme close up of my deadpan face, and then just this 
just just a close up of the wall that I'm. So it's just like I'm kind of in in stasis mode, staring at a corner of the room. <laughs> Several times a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just catatonic, facing a wall, but <laughs> but lucid enough to do a be real. Yeah, exactly. Just like like I just happened to be doing that, and then my phone beeped, and I was like, "Oh yeah, well, this is what you want to see. This is my life." <laughs> so shout out to be real. And it's French design, French designers. I think they are French, if I remember that initial, uh, my initial account correctly. Because uh, yeah, I've been, I've been proven wrong, and I'm going to keep using it. And speaking of uh, mental images, because um, friends with our our listeners Claire and Sam of uh, who live in Walthamstow in London, I had a quite a distinct picture of some of those places I. I subsequently visited in Walthamstow, which was nice before I'd ever been there. But yeah, shout out to the makers of Be Real because this old cynic has learned his lesson <laughs> and I'm gonna be and I'm gonna be real from here on out. That was episode number 79 of Don't Praise the Machine. And what an episode it's been. We've loved talking to you about popular music licensed in film, television and advertising. You're going to be walking on sunshine listening to this episode. Yeah. We've loved talking to you about the beautiful Scottish city of Edinburgh. The city of bagpipes and the fringe. We, 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 we've loved talking to you about Garth Brooks' alter ego. Garth, we invite you to revisit that beautiful chapter in your artistic career. Talking to you about ferns that make noises. Graham, I'm hoping you're keeping creaking from here on out. We've loved talking about new language filler expression. Da, 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 da. Don't forget to use it next time you want to be concise. And we've loved talking to you about social media app phenomenon. Be, be, be real. Get on there and get real, everybody. As always, I've been Alexander Holland and I've been sat digitally next to my number one number one. No one pod pumpkin. John Galonus. Thanks so much, Mr. Galonus, and we'll see you next week at the podcast. Wow, wow.